2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. Like, I'm in full agreement with this freedom from sin, full agreement with, um, like, always, daughter, everything he was preaching I was in full agreement with, but I had to let people know, like... He is going too far with this, like, Holy Spirit stuff. Literally for over a year, it was just, like, weekly being taught something new that, like, kind of sucked about my heart. And just being able to just, like, release it. Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's episode is with my sister, another one who I've never met in person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One day we will we'll hang out, hopefully. And yeah, we have a conversation, and I think it's super important for people to hear this thing and understand just like what it is to walk through freedom. Like, what's this, what's this episode about? This episode is about not having identity in ministry. It's about God actually being good. And it's, yeah, just about the journey of freedom. For me, it wasn't a one-minute prayer one time. It was more of like a four or five, six-year journey of just continually growing and being being established in more and more and more truth. Yeah, and we're still growing. So uh, let's, uh, let's just jump into the podcast. Don't want to keep you waiting. So buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Calling for an innocent that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. It's a new thing. It's a new seat. Okay, it's a new so thing, it's a new dream. I'm going to assume something, heart, and I don't know if this is going to sound super judgmental or not. Okay. But I'm just going to assume something. And... You know, I don't what I don't know what number episode we're at on this podcast, but I've done a lot of interviews. And I know a little bit about you. I think this is the first time that we've spoken. No, maybe like ever. when I called Jonathan at Why Not, like you were in the background, you're like, Hey Rich. <laughs> like I think that may have been one of the first times book. But I have a feeling that 
you grew up like a super, super sweet person. And like when we think about freedom from sin and understanding freedom from sin, and I like the first question I usually ask in the podcast is like, who's old Danica? This may sound judgmental, <laughs> but I'm not going to find like a lot of skeletons coming out of this closet. Am I wrong about some of this? Spot on, spot on. Yeah, I've even thought about that as other people yeah, are... Not a lot of skeletons? <laughs> not a lot of skeletons as other people are like, oh, I had this sin that I like dealt with for so long. I thought I was great. Like, I just thought I was perfect. Um, so yeah, for sure for me, it was like way pre-after freedom that I even got exposed to like anything that was wrong with my heart. So it's kind of the opposite order than I think a lot of other people experience it in. So, you know, so if we go back in time and we find out about old Danica... Let me ask you this, like if you, you thought you were living pretty well and you thought you were perfect, why do you think your life, why do you think you had been such a, okay, explain that to me. I don't even know how to ask that question. Like, yeah, how were you able to live the way you were living? Um, so when I was nine, we moved from Canada where we were Adventists, but there was like no other Adventists. I think our church had like 15 people. So I went to like Trinity school and I did this thing called Awanas, which is kind of like Pathfinders, but I think it's Baptist. And like the neighborhood kids weren't Adventists. Like I had a lot of exposure outside of the Adventist world. But then when I was nine, we moved to Worthington, Ohio, where they like made veggie meat and it was just tons of Adventists. So like I, I could... love Worthington. I love <laughs> Worthington. So good. <laughs> Uh, just, if you're not Adventist and you're listening to this, do not worry about going to buy Worthington meat. It, it's not for you. <laughs> but if you are Adventist, it's very much for you and delicious. Yeah, and you know what it is and you like luncheon meats. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So suddenly Adventism was just like my whole life. Like I literally, after the age of nine, had like, I didn't know anybody outside the Adventist system anymore. I like went to Adventist school. We did adventurers and pathfinders and... At Adventist Church, there was like tons of kids my own age, and that's just who we'd hang out with on the weekend. In my neighborhood, I lived like really close to the Adventist school, and there was like other Adventists in our neighborhood. Like, I wow. literally, my life in the States, like, did not exist outside of Adventism. Um, my mom was an Adventist teacher when we moved to the States, so we'd have all summer off, and she would be the cook at summer camp. So I'd spend all summer at Adventist summer camp, and like, I just had no life outside of Adventism. And I loved it. Like my childhood was so good. Um, just like so safe and so like just filled with love. Um, but I definitely grew up just with like expectations of what like thriving ministry was. Like I picked up from the adults that they like loved when our Adventist school was doing really good. And when there was like really high numbers and they loved when like everybody was in Pathfinders and the Pathfinder group was like winning Bible Bowl or whatever it was. It was like, this is success. This is God's blessing. This means our community is doing something right. And it was mm -hmm. all these like, um, what word do I want to use? Just how they were, yeah, just how they were rating success. So I could see like, this is success. This is like the blessing of God. Um, so to me, it was. I, I bet you killed it in the Bible Bowl, didn't you? You know, it might have made it to like the second or third round, but then people had like the whole book of the Bible memorized and I didn't have time for that. They were like too, too into it. People had the whole book of whatever they were, the Bible was on memorized. Yeah, people were intense about that Bible bowl. And I loved Adventism, that, but I didn't love the- Is that cool? 
<laughs> it was for some pathfinders, I guess. But like, is this what we're about? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I guess even back then, I knew the Bible like probably wasn't that good. Where I was like, why would I want to memorize the Book of Revelation? Like, that does not sound fun. I just want to go like camping with my friends and earn honors and not memorize the Book of Revelation. Mercy. <laughs> um, so yeah, just a lot of just observing ministry and loving the ministries that I was in. Um, and just observing, yeah, how adults reacted and how adults, I don't think anybody ever like tried to give me distorted views of God. It's just all a bunch of things I just picked up by like watching Adventist culture and just naturally like being a perfectionist and being a rule follower. Uh, so I just figured out my own views of like what God should be or what the blessings of God would look like. Um, Let's let's talk about this for a second, and let me see if I'm understanding what you're saying. <laughs> so, Adventist the Adventist culture that you grew up in was about not totally, and like you said, you super happy, wonderful home, safe, mm-hmm. but also success was like this is what it looks like, and so we're gonna go after. What's the word am I looking for? What, what word am I looking for? Like awards or like accolades or or what is it? Yeah, it was just, that's a great question. Um, it was something just about like being the best and like being as good as like what the world could have to offer or what the Christian school down the church could or down the street could have to offer. It was just like knowing like, we are the best product, or at least people are believing that we're the best product. Um, so even more than it being about, which I'm sure at the depth of what they were telling me, it was about Jesus. Um, but I feel like even, even more than that, it was just like something so important about being in a community that seemed to be thriving. Like that seemed really important and something that we were just really proud of. Um, and I, I definitely benefited from that. Um, like I, we had a, an out of school that wasn't that small, but like when my sister went to it, she's a few years older than me. It was like split grades, like five, six together, seven, eight together. And then by the time I was in middle school, it was big enough that like every class had its own grade. And I remember everyone just acting like that was the best thing ever. Like we were just giving kids like such a better education now and we could offer more extracurriculars. And it was like all those things were the important things. Not like, are we sharing Jesus really well and making these kids disciples? Um, which probably was the heart of these adults that were around me. I just didn't mm-hmm. pick up on that. I picked up on, oh, we're doing better programming. Oh, oh, we have better numbers. So like, this is success and this is evidence of the blessing of God that we can offer these things that God must for some reason want us to offer. Hmm. So then what did this make? Like, like no one distorted this view of God in your life, but what ended up being who God was yeah, as so you're growing up? God was definitely very transactional for me. And um, I spent, as I said, a lot of time at summer camp because my mom cooked there. And our summer camp, I thought, was the greatest thing in the world. I think most kids that go to summer camp think that about their own summer camp. But nobody else thought it was great. Everybody else was like, this camp is ghetto. It doesn't have a lake. Its cabins suck. Like, it's dirty. It's so run down. And that would like get me as like a 12 year old. Cause I'd be like, this is the greatest place in the world. Like, 
How is it not good enough for you guys? When I was like, if anything's the blessing of God, it's this summer camp. Like, this is just amazing. Um, so yeah, I grew up just like in love with this summer camp. And once again, just that, um, that mindset of having to do and having to achieve was definitely always there, but also just something like I wanted to do out of my heart. I wanted to achieve and make things great. So as I got older and older and like took on leadership at camp, um, it became really fun to get to take something that a lot of people saw as bad and to like make it good and to change people's perception of it and to think to myself, like, I'm part of this. I'm part of like making ministry good, which is kind of what I've like seen all my life as like what people want to happen. And like now I'm the one that gets credit for making this happen. Um, so mm. it was kind of a really big confidence boost for me to get to like take this camp that I absolutely love and to just get to like fix it and improve it and make it better. Um, and to have other people recognize that, like to have our uh, camper numbers, like they almost tripled one year. Really? Most of it was the director, not me. Uh, Got to give uh, full credit <laughs> where credit is due. It was all the director. I was the assistant director. Um, but I remember How just... How old were you when you were the assistant director? By this time, I was probably, I think, like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we had gotten a, a new director then that like super believed in camp, and it was like so refreshing for my soul to be like somebody uh-huh. else sees like how beautiful this place is and how much potential it is just like me. Um, so yeah, that was just like kind of like a high of my life was just uh-huh. getting to be part of growing ministry and like having people, all these parents email us from the outside being like, this is so much better than it used to be. Um, and kids getting baptized in like larger numbers than we had had and camp attendance tripling. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Like I'm doing things right. Like this is God's blessing on my life. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of the peak of how my whole childhood or that my whole childhood led to was me actually like getting to be the person doing the ministry and it thriving and just feeling like a sense of that has to be God saying he's pleased with me. Like this has to be the pinnacle of what it is. So when you went to, to Southern, you did education, you got out of that, you got a job. You're saying you're 22 working at camp. Yeah. Was this like in the summer before you go to your, your first gig as a teacher? Yeah, so since I'm a teacher, I actually have the summers off. And um, yeah, like one pretty, probably this whole story we can just do about camp. Um, I have a lot I have a lot of stories about camp, and that's eventually where freedom's going to come into my life is also at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so since I'm a teacher, I have every summer off, so I just kept going back to camp. And mm-hmm. um, the director that I really liked left, and we got a new mm-hmm. director, And at first I was like kind of devastated, like, God, like things were just increasing and increasing and increasing. Like, why would you want to stop that, God? Like, it's your ministry. Why would you not want the best for your ministry? Mm -hmm. Um, But then in my pride, I was just like, oh, well, like I'm still there. So like everything will be okay because I am part of the (laughs) blessing. And I mean, I didn't like actually think that word for word in my head, but it's kind of the idea of what I thought. Um, So... When your director leaves and you're devastated and you have this feeling like, well, I'm still here, so that's, you know, that's good. And you said it was pride. I think that that idea and thought, while if it is stewarded and isn't pride, but it's confidence in the Holy Spirit in you, 
is is how you should see it, right? Mm-hmm. If you look in the mirror and you're like, I live in Christ and Christ lives in me, and if I'm at this camp, then Christ will be there. And it's like humility. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one thing. But if it's like, Danica's got this, everybody, you know, it's all good, Danica's mm-hmm. here, then that's a completely other thing, right? Zero percent um, humility at the time. <laughs> Zero percent. But it, and you know, it might, it might, it probably wouldn't look the same, right? It probably wouldn't look the same because, like, like in Miley's episode, we talk about how Miley was this Martha and she was working, 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 but her motive was to be enough mm-hmm. because of her work, right? And it, her work and the output might look the same but the motive changes her. And, you know, as I'm thinking about it, maybe it doesn't look the same. Maybe that humility just, it does change how you operate and everything. Well, it's just what so, do you think? it's just so close. So even like you were just saying, um, oh, you didn't use the word abide, but um, I think of that, you know, I concept of Christ abiding in us, we abide in him. So like right now I'm also making um, some big transitions. I'm going to be leaving teaching after this year and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm like so at peace with just like God is with me if I stay and he's just like, I'm going to bless you so much there. He's with me if I go and he's like, I'm going to bless you so much there. So although that feels similar to what I thought at 23 or it sounds similar to what I thought at 23, it's completely different. Because at 23, I was just like, I've got this. So whether other people are here or not, like, it's okay. Where now I just know, like, Christ has got me. So mm-hmm. no matter where I go or who's around or what situation I'm in, it's okay. So it's Mercy. sounds kind of similar, but there it's completely opposite ends of the spectrum of self-reliance. Wow. that That's important for people to understand is... Yeah, the motive, the motive of your heart and why and how uh, you're operating. I was just kicking it with a buddy this weekend and he was talking about a job that he almost took but realized his motive was completely off. And the Holy Spirit revealed that to him and he's like, no, I'm not going to take that job. And just what a blessing that is when the Holy Spirit reveals Yo, what is your motive? Mm-hmm. And you see it very clearly. And if your motive is whack, then you can say, oh, I either change my motive or maybe this is not it. Mm-hmm. So your motive was, uh, Danique is going to save the day. What happened? How did that go? Yeah. And back then I definitely didn't know that was my motive. I just thought it was like, God's working through us to bless people is what I would have thought the motive was, um, but it went really terrible. Um, <laughs> we got a new director and literally from like day, I don't know, maybe like three, I was just like in tears and being like, this is so terrible. Um, we definitely both had like very false expectations of the other person and the role we would each be playing. And um, I didn't really know how to communicate back then. I was incredibly um, not self-aware of how, my words or my actions or my um, tones, like in the words that I used, how that came off and affected other people. Um, so yeah, summer went terrible. By the end of, well, by like a week in, I knew like I'm getting fired. There's no way um, I'm getting, getting this fired? job back. Well, I just knew like 
this is my last summer. Like, no way this guy's going to let me come back. Like, he clearly hates me a lot. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of tension. So, yeah, I would just – and, of course, my whole identity at that point is in ministry and the fact that I am God's blessing to the world. But, yeah, I feel like so much healing has come into my life about it. Uh, but I still just recognize, like, that things were wrong, um, even beyond what I was doing that summer. So, yeah, summer goes, um, I don't know, it's maybe like six weeks long. And at the end of summer, which I already knew that I was going to be fired, but I didn't realize everybody else that knew me was going to be fired. And people just start receiving emails like, we no longer um, like need we your services. We no longer require your services <laughs> yeah. at God's chosen camp. Yep. And it's like everyone I'm associated with at all. Like I had been a staff kid there and people that I had worked with for 15 years uh, my mom, who worked in the kitchen, was told there'd be no spot for her. Uh, my entire ad staff, who we had worked with together, and we thought we had like created this camp and like the healthy environment that it was, they were all let go. Um, and I just felt so much guilt, like so much guilt. Because um, I was like, I did, like, I destroyed this ministry. Like, I was the one that built wow. it up or helped build it up. Um, so, just how I thought I had the power to build it up, I thought I also had the power to destroy it. So that just became a huge lie in my life. Like, you destroyed this, and you didn't just destroy it for you. Like, you destroyed it for all of these other people that were just innocent, like, victims of your actions and your words because you weren't careful enough, um, because you didn't support this new director enough, because you didn't watch your words or your tones. Um, so for the next year, I was just in, like, constant turmoil over this. Um just over what I had destroyed for other people, um, over the ministry that I had destroyed, over the staff kids that couldn't return to camp and have the childhood that I had. Um, and then I also was just really struggling with God because I was like, God, if you're good, like, why do you not want your ministry to be good? Like, I'm the good person here. The new guy's the bad person. Like, why are you letting the bad person win? Why don't you get him fired? Keep me there. Like, God, step in. Why do you not care about your ministry? Um, so that was just a really hard year for me, like spiritually, just trying to figure out like why God didn't want good things if God was good. And because I clearly like knew what was good more than God would. Um, so yeah, that was like just a really rough year spiritually. And what then about um, bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. Oh, was so much something you bitterness, resentment and unforgiveness for others and for myself. Um, and I couldn't have named any of those things. I knew I hated the director, but... Um, How did you reconcile that with what you believe that Jesus had? Did you just compartmentalize those things? Like Jesus saying, forgive, and you being like... And Jesus also <laughs> saying, do not hate, and you're just like... But I hate though. Like, how did you reconcile those things? Or is that even a thought that comes up? One, if you don't read the Bible that much, you don't have to reconcile <laughs> those things. So that's my first bit of advice is if you don't want the Bible to call you and out. That is not advice, by the way. Please do not take that. This is the death portion of the podcast. Yeah, this is for sure the death. So um, yeah, one, I like wasn't in the word that much because I thought I had an understanding of who God was because I had been raised Adventist and I had gone mm -hmm. to Adventist schools and I had gone to Adventist colleges. So now... What I had in my mind was what I thought was God. Um, so really I was just fighting against a completely untrue picture of God in my mind, but I spent a whole year like fighting against it. And two, I just thought I was like 
so justified. Like I definitely just like was a very self-righteous person and thought I've gone through these actions correctly. I've done all of this for you, God. Uh, So it was just very transactional for me of what the outcome should be and that God should be like doing something for me. Um, Can can I comment about how when we're in deception, we believe a couple things at once and we don't know we're believing them about the same thing. So mm -hmm. for example, you are feeling guilt, condemnation, and shame that you destroyed this ministry that you had worked so hard. And then at the same time, you're self-righteous and you're bitter, resentful, and unforgiving to the person and the whatever. And you're having both of these thoughts at once and not really confronting yourself about any of these thoughts. It's just a whole big ball of bad. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? (laughs) That's spot on to what that year of my life was. Um, Yeah, and just no self-awareness that this line of pro or this yeah line of thoughts didn't make sense to me it made perfect sense um to me i was just the victim god wasn't showing up and being good enough and there was nothing wrong with my heart or my way of processing other people like i was just right <laughs> um, and everybody else was just wrong that's just how i saw the world mercy <laughs> and yeah was completely unaware that um that's not the reality of the world so what happened next yeah, so that year ends and kind of all year, I'm just hoping the conference fires this guy and it, that they come to me and are like, hey, Danica, like, we love you. We need you to run our ministry. And that doesn't happen. So in May, I've taken my students and we had taken our senior class out to Camp Y and I to do a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And one night, me and Eric Vandenberg are sitting outside and May's like super late for hiring camp staff. But I just knew like, I cannot just have the next two months off because I don't have to teach during the summers. And if I'm just sitting here alone in my feelings, thinking about everything that's happening at camp while I'm alone in an apartment, like this is not going to go well. So I just asked Eric, like, can I just come to camp, like to his camp in Hawaii? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I don't have any jobs. Like it's too late. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Like I just need to like be here. Like you don't have to pay me. I don't Mm -hmm. need to do anything. I just like need entertainment and stuff happening around me and to like feel some sort of purpose. So that's 2016. So he graciously agrees to let me come to camp. And that summer, I honestly did nothing. I just sat there and Jonathan was the staff pastor there and we would talk for hours a day. And Jonathan was just like my personal therapist. Um, and would just like listen to me talk and cry and try to like encourage me and just like speak truth over me. And this is pre, I think this is pre Jonathan getting freedom. Yeah, this is when, when you're saying this is 2016, I'm like, well, I wonder what kind of advice he is giving you in 2000. Yeah. But Jonathan's starting on to get onto these like truths. So we have staff worship every night and this is, he's already got the like always sun sermon down. The fact that it's the citizen from the other country that gave him the identity of as prodigal and that he had to return as a slave and not a son. Um, and he already had down, um, the sermon where he outlines the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, but then it's the sanctuary. Like he draws a box around it and it's the sanctuary. So he already had that one. That's the first one. That's not one. And the fact of like, where's Jesus bringing them? Jesus is bringing them to himself. Right, right, right. And he had many other like sermons that, or talks 
that summer. Like it would just blow my mind every day. And it was just talking about the goodness of God. And I like couldn't comprehend that after the last year of just like being certain that God wasn't good. And especially with the outcomes of ministry, I was like, okay, God chose not to be good. Um, so Jonathan is saying these things and he'll preach and either that night or the next day, I'll just like roll over, like trying to process it all in my mind, just talking to him in circles for like hours. Um, so yeah, I just kind of leave that summer knowing that I am a beloved daughter and that God is leading me to himself. Those are like my two huge takeaways. And I'm like, God like must actually be good. This is crazy. Like for the first time in my life, I had that confidence that God was good. Um, so my story, like a lot of people have this like moment where they're like, and then I was free. I don't have that all. Mine was just like four years of just interacting with Jonathan <laughs> and then seeing where he was at and then going and like sitting on that for a year in my own studies and then re-interacting with Jonathan and seeing where he was at. And I'd be like, what? Like, can that be true? Um, so yeah, first summer, I was really solidified in, I'm a beloved daughter. God is drawing me to himself. And God like is actually a God of love. And that was just yeah, yeah, yeah. wild for me for the whole next year. And that was so long ago, I can't really remember um, anything specific I studied that year. But I was really just like resting in that just like the goodness of God. And it was such a peaceful place after a year of just complete turmoil where I just felt like I was fighting God and that I was just begging God to show up and he wasn't showing up. And I was just like constantly disappointed yeah. um, and just so disappointed in myself the year before. Um, and Jonathan, just as like my personal counselor, had also just helped me release um, just a lot of the burden that I had put on myself. Um, just kind of helped me release from like, I can't control other people's decisions and actions. Um, so that was really good for me because I hadn't gone to counseling, uh, for any of that, which I definitely should have. Um, so that's the first year. And then the next year, um. So control was one of your big things then? Oh, huge. Like, and I didn't know it, but yeah, I had to control everything because if I could control things, then I could like make things perfect and be good enough. Uh, so control was really what enabled me to then be good enough, which enabled me to like gain my value and my worth. So it all like went together. Hmm. Oh, so 2017, I think by then Jonathan had come into freedom. So I think, yeah, I think it's that the end of that spring where Mm -hmm. he, uh, sees if you haven't heard Jonathan's first episode in season one, uh, check that out. Uh, he's, the main speaker for Love Reality. And uh, yeah, he comes into this crazy freedom in this understanding of uh, freedom from sin. And then he comes back to camp and it sounds like it's about to be different. What happened? Yeah. So one, theologically, he's talking about freedom from sin. And I'm like, that that just makes so much sense. Because if this is a God of love, like, of course we can't be bound by sin. Like that just, the two wouldn't go together if he's so loving. And for the first time I was just like, okay, this is a God we're sharing. Like my whole life, I've wanted God to be good. I've wanted these pieces to line up, but I've actually always felt like it was a burden. And like for like now, like this is not a burden. This is amazing. I'm just in Jonathan. So did you right away see freedom from sin as like, oh, this makes complete sense or did it take some time? And like, when did you see like, I, Danica, I am free from sin. How long did that take? That's a great question. I 
you know, this is like trying to remember five years back. So I think I accepted it pretty quickly, but I, so I accepted the idea of being free from sin. I still didn't actually know any sins in my life that I needed to be free from. Even though I was like, had spent a year resting and being beloved, like I still just, it was like two years after this that God really started like revealing my heart to me. Like we were really on the slow game for this. Um, (laughs) So I was just like, I just knew and it was wow, this is really interesting thinking back on it now. Um, Because I I loved the idea of free from sin. I think that with that came like freedom from like shame and condemnation. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what I latched onto even more. Mm -hmm. But especially the free from sin was part of what made it good enough to share with other people now. Now that I knew like this is the truth about God, now this was a God worth sharing. Not that like I necessarily needed to latch onto that tiny detail that much, but it just mm-hmm. made the whole picture of who God was make a lot more sense, even if that's something mm-hmm. I didn't directly need that much. Hmm. Um, and just in so the, did you start sharing that? Yeah. So for sure by then, like I came back to Arizona and it was just like too good. Like I was like, this stuff is so good. I've got to start sharing this. And um, we have like a young adult Sabbath school at our church. And I just think like everyone's going to think this is the best thing ever. So I try to share it with people falls flat, like not people not vibing with it. Um, I, but I just like keep inviting people and keep trying to study the Bible with them. Cause to me, I'm like, my life has changed, but at that point, nobody else could really see it. Nobody was like affirming that my life seemed changed. Um, people that were at camp with me. Yeah. But not people back here in Arizona. They'd be like, Oh, like, are you different? And I was like, I feel so different. Um, and so, when, when you bring up freedom from sin in, in Sabbath school, was it like one of those Sabbath school comments that people are like, yeah, cool. All right, let's keep reading. Like they just like gloss over it or were people pushing back on the idea? Um, Yeah, some would be like, yeah, cool. Or I just knew that their reaction wasn't enough that they actually understood it. Like, I knew, like, if you guys actually understand what's happening here, like, you'll be more excited about this. This is a bigger deal than you're acting like it is. Or they'd just be like, yeah, like, we know that. Like, we've read romance. And I'm like, but do we believe this? Or there would be a little pushback from some people. And then I wouldn't know what to do with it because I wasn't very established. So I would just be like, but it says this. Like, right here, it says this. And back then, now, I've, like, read the New Testament So I know like it says it here and here and here and here and here and here. But back then I was just like, but that's not what like this one verse says. So like, how are we just going to ignore this one verse? Um, It's it's the most frustrating answer, I think, is when someone says, we've known this. And I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) Like, if you have known this. Why didn't you tell me? Like, why? Like, what do you mean we've known this? Mm-hmm. We've, we, you've been, you've been walking in freedom from sin. Like, that's your relationship to sin. You know, and when they say that, I'm like, oh, they, they don't understand that this unlocks everything. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the gospel. And, uh, I've said this before. I'm not sure if I said this on here. Uh, when a couple weeks ago, we we're in Colorado or a couple months ago. And I'm, I'm constantly, you know, I love history and I love like the story of why things happen and how they happen. And, and, uh, I'm talking with Jonathan about recording his second episode. Cause I want to hear the history of like his mindset and how, you know, these sermons for love reality got prepared. And I'm like, man, it's just like, 
it's really cool that the first one is is freedom from sin because I, like that's like a really good place to start so that people and he's like looking at me and I think Christian was agreeing with me like yeah man that's that's a good place to start and he's like guys that is the only place to start <laughs> like he came to free us from our sins and now we're free from sin and both Christian and I are looking at each other like Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah, that's facts. Like, yeah, we had to agree real quick because like I thought it was just like a oh genius move, but no, it is the only place to start. If we don't understand freedom from sin, we don't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's why it unlocks the rest of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, and that's that's very interesting for me to think about because that's not where it started for me. For me it, it started at beloved daughter. Um, so yeah, that, that's actually something like, I get that he's saying that's the, that's the main point. Um, and that it all, there's no completeness and freedom, um, without that. Well, I mean, I think you seeing that you were a beloved daughter allowed you to see freedom from sin because that makes sense about God. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't all get the first thing first, but when we say, oh, the first night of love reality is freedom from sin, I think the whole point is Jesus came to free us from sin, so all of these other things are now true about us. And when we read the, when we read the Bible, now all of these other things can be true. Mm-hmm. And if you needed to see that you were beloved daughter first, well, that's just the Holy Spirit saying, like, this is what she needs to understand first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the the crux of the whole thing is, like Revelation 1 5, he came and he freed us from sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, if he loves us as daughter but can't free us, then that's like a not very fulfilling and satisfying God. If he's just like, I love you a lot, but you're stuck down there. Nothing I can do about yeah, good, it. Good good <laughs> luck. And you also have a sinful nature. So I need you to be like this, but you're created not to be like that. So good luck. Good luck. Uh, so yeah, uh, fully agree there. Um, so 2015, 2016, 2017, um, Ooh, no, 2016 was the first year I met Jonathan, 2017 freedom from sin, 2018, I go to LRT for the first time and from the pulpit, Jonathan's preaching like just the normal LRT series. I'd listened to it online. We had basically gone over all of those things at summer camp before. So I'm like vibing with it. Um, Also, even though I've just heard it, I am like desiring to teach it to others. So the more you hear it, like it just gets like more ingrained. And I now at this point know like, okay, this stuff's in Galatians, this stuff's in Ephesians. It's also in Philippians. It's also in first John. Like I know it's other places. So I'm getting more excited that like, it's not just the Romans that Jonathan's teaching. Um, but not from the pulpit. Jonathan's now super into the Holy Spirit. So in the past year, he's just gained all this confidence in like the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am hating this. Like <laughs> literally he is, will like have um, love reality and then all the people will go home and we'll just leave the camp staff. And Jonathan will like try to like debrief these things with us. And he's trying to talk about all this power of the Holy Spirit, praying for people. And I'm hating it. I'm literally going up to people and being like, Jonathan is going too far. Like I'm in full agreement with this freedom from sin, full agreement with, um, like always daughter, everything he was preaching, I was in full agreement with, but I had to let people know, like he is going too far with this, like Holy spirit stuff. Um, 
What was, was too just, far? Just all of it. It felt like so Pentecostal. It felt so foreign to me. Um, I was just so uncomfortable with it. Like we, um, just the fact that it would like actually change everyday life in such a physical way. Um, and I remember trying to fight with Jonathan about it once and he was like, oh, oh dang, you're going to have to edit this part out. This <laughs> I can't remember oh, what exactly he said, but it was something just like, oh, like, do you wish the miracles of God weren't physical acts? Like, would that make you feel more comfortable, Danica? And I was like, oh, dang it. Like, yeah, I guess we do need things to be like physically manifesting in front of us, but I was so uncomfortable with it. It was just so different than the Adventism I had been raised in. And I started realizing like, I don't think anybody taught me this, but I literally had this understanding that things like that were like from the devil. Like it was Satan trying to trick you by appearing spiritual when it was really Satan doing these like big miraculous things in like, absolutely not. Like Jonathan, bad on these topics, but Jonathan really good on these other topics. So I still wanted to cling to the good and just make it very well known every part of what Jonathan was preaching that I rejected. Uh, Danica, you know, what are you vibing with lately that has been blessing you spiritually that you would want to recommend to somebody? Yeah, I've been vibing with the move. Yeah, it's so good. They're going through the book of Genesis and it's just amazing because they take all these stories and it's stories you've heard before if you were raised in the church. It's stories that you know. And the speakers on this just show like time and time again how this story actually shows the love of God. And it has just... Yeah, just blows my mind every day. I love listening to it in the morning. Yeah, just addresses really deep questions that we have about the character of God. And that's been a really big blessing for me. All right, yeah, check out The Move with Justin Koo and a bunch of other awesome people. So like the baptism of the Holy Spirit or when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit or they they receives the Holy Spirit, you're hearing that and you're like... No, that, that, that's not it. Yeah. I can't even tell you like what I believed. Um, and I don't know if he was presenting Bible verses with it. I was just so against it. Um, two, it's just cause you're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's just because the first time I watched some, something like this or experienced something like seeing something like it, man, I'm sit, I'm hanging in the back. Uh-huh. Just like, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, so uncomfortable. Um, and by then, a lot of people were like knowing about LRT and people were like for or against it. And um, so I think that like also made me like extra weary of it was people in my home community were already like, well, like, is this like truth that he's preaching? And I was like, yes, like it has to be. Do you guys like not read and receive these things? And they were all like, eh, maybe, uh, maybe he's going too far. So then when I heard him say these things, it was kind of like red flags, like, ah, maybe he's going too far. So like, I need to make my boundaries and loyalties like very well known. Uh, so I spent that summer, he was all about Holy Spirit, but I was not about Holy Spirit. And then I would like... <laughs> Leave? Yeah, that sounds so terrible. I I love freedom from sin, but I am not about the Holy Spirit. I was not. Get that guy away. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, Holy Spirit had no part in my life. I mean, clearly Holy Spirit was still convicting me. I'm playing a huge part, but I couldn't, I couldn't verbalize that. Um, 
And then camp would end. And I was also always a little concerned that like Jonathan had too much like influence over my life. So when I would leave, sometimes I'd be like, I'm not going to talk to him for like six months. And it's just got to be like me and the Bible to make sure he's not like brainwashing me into thinking right. something. So I had some trust issues there, you know. So Well, he's too charismatic, <laughs> I've heard someone say. Like, you yes. can't trust people that are too charismatic. Yeah. So that year, oh, I wish I had it up. I'm like reading Galatians at some point that year. Let's see if I have it written down. And I'm reading and it's talking all about like sonship. Um, and I'm like, yeah, 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 Galatians 4. So it says, God sent his son to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as son. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's like, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And I was like, huh, what do I do with that? So I was like, all right, I guess I have the Holy Spirit. Like, we're, we're good. And then I just kept reading everything else. And it was just about like the spirit. And I just like believed it. I was just like, okay, like. You really didn't think we were, there's a verse in Ephesians, it's either the end of chapter one or, no, it's end of chapter one. It says, when you heard of your salvation and believed, you were then sealed with Mm -hmm. the promised Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then after that, just everything I was reading, I was just seeing either the promise of the Holy Spirit or the gift or the fruits of the Holy Spirit, just like everywhere. And I was like, great. Like, I'm vibing with this. I'm loving it. Like, I'm confident that I have the Holy Spirit. Um, I can now like completely agree with Jonathan because I didn't hear it from him, and I didn't believe it because of him. I believed it because it was revealed to me personally. So maybe a little right. pride, but I actually think that it's good that it happened that way. Um, sure. And, and you know, like, this is why it's important to test everything. Mm-hmm. And not with, like, a spirit of uh, fault-finding mm-hmm. or a spirit of uh, analytical, an analytical spirit or... Uh, devil's advocate like if you hear someone preach something open up the book Mm -hmm. you know read it in context have an open mind ask the holy spirit to guide i don't think that is analytical or devil's advocate or Mm -hmm. or, you know fault finding but what the truth is going to hold up i promise Mm -hmm. like we, we we don't need to be afraid of of the truth or defending somebody from, you know, it's, it's there or Mm -hmm. it's not. Mm -hmm. And if it's there, it's there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. I think of, I think it's for Sean that even says like, you don't need people to teach you like, right. The Holy Spirit. um, Yeah. So it was just like, and it's just so much more intimate and beautiful when it's revealed to you, like in secret place one-on-one rather than yeah, just being like, Oh, I heard a sermon. So like I went with it because the guy told a really good object lesson. Um, so yeah, by, and I guess that same summer, 2017, when he was talking about Holy Spirit and I wasn't vibing with that, he was also talking about false agreements and I was vibing this with that. This is 2018, that. by the way, right? 20. Yeah. Yeah. 2018. is freedom from sin. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, so he's talking agreements. about false agreements, just like lies that we've accepted with ourselves. And that was super powerful for me to just start really naming like, lies I had about myself and about God and just like naming them. Cause before I'd never just been intentional about my thoughts and my beliefs. I'd kind of just let life happen around me. Um, so it was still just really, really powerful to like name and dismiss lies in my life. Um, so by the following year, 2019, 
2019. Yeah, the year before. What were some of those lies? What was some like? We can't let you get by without that. Um, man, what were the lies? So a lot of lies, just about like if God is good, if God is good for me, if God is good at like being God. Um, my positioning and identity, like whether it comes from relationships or me doing a job well or me doing ministry well. Um, just that none of that adds value to my life, that none of that adds identity to my life. Um, so I was getting really solidified in those things, even though I didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, I was just very solidified in being good and my whole identity just coming from Christ and me not having to work towards anything. And that mm. brought even just like deeper levels of peace into my life um, where I could, you know, still I was now at camp. I was the assistant director at this new camp now, but it was just a completely different experience. Um, even though it seems so similar, just mm-hmm. in my mind, how I was experiencing it was so different. Um, so I leave for a year, realize I have the Holy Spirit, accept it, love it, read it all over the Bible, all over the New Testament. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I'm confident that I have the Holy Spirit. 2019, we get back to camp. I think we do another LRT. Mm-hmm. It's great. I'm vibing with everything. And this year, and a few people on this podcast have already talked about our 2019 summer at camp because it was just mm-hmm. one of Wild. the, yeah, just like the greatest blessing to be part of a spiritual community um, at camp. We're together about four or five or six weeks if we're, if we all do LRT together and to just take time intentionally to like focus on spiritual things and grow as a spiritual community. Like that doesn't really happen anywhere else. Um, so it's quite the privilege, uh, to just, yeah, get to, get to live life like that. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of summer, they once again start talking about Holy Spirit. But this time I'm more confident about it. Cause I'm like, sweet. Like I know I've got Holy Spirit. So like now I don't have to fight Jonathan. Um, also backtracking back when I realized I held the Holy Spirit, I started texting everyone like, Hey guys, sorry, got this wrong. Like, I know I was telling you Jonathan was too far, but I actually think he's completely right. Like, look at all these Bible verses. I think we actually have Holy Spirit. Please reconsider. Um, and even that like sounds, it sounds silly, but before I could never admit that I was wrong, like I would just have to let things pass and hope like people would just brush by it or people would forget. I could never apologize to other people. I could never admit that I was wrong. Like I didn't have that skill set. So even just like as silly as it sounds to like text people and be like, I was wrong about the Holy Spirit. Like that was, that was yeah, that was like evidence of my new heart that I could just like easily humble myself and just be like, oh, got that wrong. Like let's move forward and not feel like I had to like come up with an excuse for why I was thinking that way or I didn't have to justify it at all. I was just like, oh, here's the truth. Let's go with that. Hmm. Um, so 2019, Holy Spirit comes up again, and I think I'm confident in it. And then this guy asks for Jonathan to pray for the Holy Spirit for him. And Jonathan puts his hands on this guy. And I'm like, nope, hate this. So like sitting across an amphitheater, they're having this beautiful moment praying for the Holy Spirit. Um, Erica was on a few weeks ago. And she said she literally like felt like a physical wind while they're praying for this boy. They're having this beautiful moment. I'm across hating it. I'm just like, oh no, not Holy Spirit like this. Like, no, this isn't how Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit is like this like very soft, gentle thing. You don't have to have it prayed into you. Like, no, not having this. I like have my arms crossed, like glaring at them, trying to make it very known that I don't like what they're doing at worship. 
Um, and this is the last week of camp. So the next few days, I'm just like struggling. Cause I'm like, God, like, I know I have your spirit, but I did not have that experience that man just had where he like saw a light and it was like this whole physical manifestation. I was like, I didn't have any of that. So like, did I do, I, have I not had spirit the past six months when I've been like claiming to have it and thinking that I had it? Like, did I do it wrong? Am I a fake? Um, so I'm just having a lot of doubt. And it's like this huge spiritual high for the rest of the staff. And I'm like trying to go through the motions and also just trying to figure out like, I thought I had this, like maybe I don't. Um, And then Friday night comes our very last night of camp. And they, I think Jonathan gives a talk. Um, And then Eric, our camp director gets up and Eric's like, someone's got to get free before we leave this place. And I don't think this call is for me at all because I like know that I'm free. Um, I'm pretty sure that I have the spirit, but, uh, Mm. I'm like, yeah, like I'm like spiritually like way beyond where these kids are at. Like this is for them. So they pray for one. And it was crazy because as soon as he says this, like eight hands shoot up and they're all like, I want to be prayed for. Um, and now that I've talked to each one of them, it's crazy. All of their stories that led up to that, that point in the day. So they pray for one person. It's beautiful. They pray for another person. And then Jonathan's like, everybody that has Holy spirit, I want you to come pray for this person. And I'm like, great. Like I'm claiming it right now that I have Holy spirit. Um, whether like I experienced it like they did or not, like the word says that I have it. So I have it. Like, I'm just going to make my claim right now. So I stand up to like move and go pray for this girl. And then there's this man, Dwayne beside me. And Dwayne had been with us for the last like two weeks at camp. He's an older, well, I don't know, maybe like 50 year old um, guy. He had lost his wife. So he was out at camp um, just to, just to kind of figure out a new life. Uh, So Dwayne grabs my hand and Dwayne's like, if you go over there, I'll be the only one over here. And immediately like spirit just convicted me, like pray for Dwayne. So they're all across the tables praying for someone. I don't know who. And I'm just praying for Dwayne and spirit's like telling me exactly what to pray for this man. Like pray for his relationship with his children, pray for guilt that he's feeling about his relationship with his wife and her passing. Like pray for, um, he, was like addicted to cigarettes. He was, it was just like, pray for these things. Um, so I'm just praying all these things like in my head though, Dwayne doesn't even know I'm praying for him. Mm-hmm. And then the prayer ends and Dwayne looks up at me and Dwayne's like, why are you crying? And I was like, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not crying. Even though I definitely was, I just like, didn't know how to tell him. So they, everybody, Jonathan and Eric, everyone starts praying for someone else. And I'm still just praying for Dwayne. And I'm like, spirit, like you are so real to me. Like, how, like, how can this not, like, how can this not be real? Like this, this has to be real. But I was like, I just need Dwayne to like act as like confirmation. And I was like, I know, like, I know that I've had you, but I just had like so much doubt this last week. And like, this is, it's, this just feels so real right now. Um, I just like need Dwayne to act. And we finished praying. And then Ben Williams from across the room is like, I think somebody else needs prayed for. And Dwayne like stands up and like goes to them and like throws down his cigarettes. And he's like, I want to be prayed for. And I was like, oh, dang, like that was really cool. Um, <laughs> and then they start praying for him and the spirits instantly like go find the camp nurse. So I find the camp nurse and spirits just telling me what to pray over her. She doesn't know that I'm praying for her. I'm just like standing behind her, like with my hand on her shoulder, creeping, praying for her. And they finish praying for Dwayne and the camp nurse immediately raises her hand and she's like, I want prayer. I was like, oh, that was pretty mm. cool. So she goes and gets prayer from them. And the spirits just like, Danica, go find the camp cook. So I go find our camp cook, Auntie Kathleen. And by now I'm just like on a high. So I'm like 
because I've just been praying in my head so far. And I just tell Auntie Kathleen, like, I have to pray for you right now. Like, there's just no other option. Like, Spirit's given me the words, like, I have to pray this for you. So I'm praying for her. I'm praying for, like, her relationship with her daughters, just reconciliation, that she can just receive this truth um, of her righteousness. And we open our eyes, and now her daughter and, like, the whole camp staff is in front of us. I was like, because I was praying out loud. Um, and they all start praying for her, and it's just, like, a super beautiful moment um, between um, the, the small mother and daughter. And now immediately in my heart, it's like, you need to be baptized, Danica. And I'm like, oh, but like, we're not even at the pool. And Eric or Jonathan, one of them is like, all right, let's go to the pool. Someone needs to be baptized. And I'm like, huh, okay, maybe I'll get baptized. Um, so we go up to the pool, but I also hate this idea because I like hate spiritual highs. I hate like everybody doing something at the end of camp. Like, oh, I just hate it. So I'm like still fighting, like I, maybe I won't get baptized. Like maybe I'll just get baptized like later today when everyone else isn't here. So people won't think it's this big emotional thing. So they baptize, I don't know, maybe like six or seven people. And um, Jonathan's still just in the water talking about something. I don't even know what. And I just like suddenly interrupt him and I'm like, I have to be baptized. <laughs> and he's like, okay. Um, actually... Yeah, I think he was like, and the cherry on top. He said something funny because I had just been resisting like everything he was saying all summer. Um, so yeah, I just like went and got baptized and was like, I'm just done doubting. Like I've just allowed doubt to stay present like through this whole journey. Um, like whatever truth is presented, I've just like taken it, but with some doubt and taken it, but with some doubt. And I was like, I'm just done. Like I'm done letting doubt have like any voice in this. Um so yeah, 2019, got baptized, um, which I'd been baptized as a kid, but this was like just way different and more beautiful. And like, I mean, my baptism as a kid was beautiful, but this was just like, I want to publicly confirm what I already know is true about me. And I just want to like set this moment as like mm -hmm. a mark to look back on. Like right. that is when I chose to live this way. Um, so yeah, and then after that, so, so far, everything's just about like love and being established in what I have. It's literally not till after my baptism that I start reading the Bible and realizing it tells us like all these things we can't have in our heart. And it like calls out like all these evil things in us, even though it was the exact same passages I had read for like the past three years. Like, I'd be like, what? Like Philippians says this, um, it would just be like shocking. Like, um, one day I was just reading about like anger and I was like, oh my word, I have so much anger in my heart. But because I knew I was like free from sin, because I knew there was no condemnation, I didn't have to defend the anger. I could just be like, wow, God, like, thank you for showing me that. And that like, I don't have to live like this. Cause I think even through, actually, I know, um, even through like being established as daughter and knowing God is bringing me to him and knowing that I had the Holy Spirit. All of these patterns of just how I thought and reacted with the world were still fully there. I didn't recognize them, but they were still fully there that like were not in align with the spirit. Yeah. So I'd read things like that and accept it. I would read like first Corinthians about love and it's like love keeps no record of wrong. And I'd be like, Oh my word. I keep all the records of wrong. <laughs> so it just like reveal these things to me and I'd be like, Oh, thank you, God, that like I no longer have to keep records of wrong. So it's crazy that this is like four years after I know that I'm like free from sin 
Spirit's just now revealing because before I would have just defended it. I would have been like, I don't keep records of wrong or like, I just do that because life has to function and has to have order. And if you just throw all the order out, like you can't progress forward. I would have just justified everything. Um, so yeah, four years later, my heart was finally just like ready to receive and to just know that there's like a better way to live than what I was living. And literally for over a year, it was just like weekly being taught something new that like kind of sucked about my heart hmm. and just being able to just like release it and release it and release it. And then I stopped reading the letters and like, I remember going back to um, the gospels cause I had spent a ton of time in the letters of the new Testament. And even in like Mark, um, it just talks about like your heart being defiled from the inside. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just like reading the list and I was like, oh my word, I was like all of these things. Um, It's like coveting, wickedness, deceitfulness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And for so long, I thought I was good because I like wasn't defiled from the outside. I was like doing all the actions right. I was leading the ministry. I was going to church every Sabbath. So I just thought like I was good. And in Mark 7, he's just talking about, yeah, it just like really pointed out to me like how I thought I was good because I didn't have outside defilement, but really my heart was just like so defiled and terrible and I needed a new heart so badly and like just got to rejoice that I have a new heart and I'm not these things. And it's been really crazy because honestly, just like the last year is when everyone around me in Arizona has been able to notice it. And they're like, you're a different person. Like, you're just so much happier and lighter. And like, you just judge people like way less. Like you used to judge people so much. And now like, you just don't, you used to hold everything against people. And now you just don't. So it's been crazy that for like five years, I like knew in my heart that I was changed or like accepting these truths, but it took, yeah, just like a crazy different timeline um, than what others experienced or what I thought for spirit to really reveal to me what that sin was in my heart, what the death was. I didn't know what the death was, so I couldn't like fully die to it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like, but you didn't go chasing after lies. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was revealing truth after truth after mm-hmm. truth, and it was getting settled in your heart. Yes. And after the truth was revealed, the lies were so obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people start to go search for lies. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with um, uh, someone this weekend and, and we were talking about anger. And I, you know, psychologically, I think the root of anger is fear. And so mm-hmm. I mentioned, well, it's probably fear. What, what are you afraid of? And she couldn't really figure it out. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? We're not here to just hunt for something that we're afraid of. As we live in truth, and and truth is just what we're after, it gets revealed, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm doing this. But mm-hmm. it's truth that mm-hmm. sets you free, not figuring out the lies that yes. sets you free, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's truth that just takes a – when you see the lies, there's no longer any – they don't have any hold on you where before I would have seen those lies and needed to defend why those lies were in my life, that I was the victim of those lies or something. But when there's truth, it's just like 
just from such a loving place where you know you're just being called to something higher and not being condemned because something stayed in your life that long. It's just saying like, um, I think Eddie once said like, oh, it's like pruning because I, I reached out to him when I was like, suddenly everything I read in the Bible is like really negative. Like it's just like telling me like I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, but like in a really, really loving way. Mm. Um, but I was like, it's been just been building me up for two years and now it's like, not building me up in that same way, even though it's the same passages. Um, and that's what's just been so beautiful about this journey. Um, I think back to like, as a kid, I just wanted God to be good. And I wanted to like, I wanted to want God. Like I wanted him to be a desirable God. I wanted to enjoy devotions. I wanted to read my Bible, but I didn't enjoy any of that. Um, and to now just get to experience like the intimacy of going back to the same passages over and over again and for him to just reveal like different things every single time and for him to just intimately know like what I need. Like he knew that I needed to be established in just his love and his goodness before he could tell me anything that was wrong with me. He knew that I needed to experience Holy Spirit in just this like incredibly gentle, like personal way because if Jonathan had tried to pray Holy Spirit into me and a bright light had shown, I would have like freaked out and hated it all. So just that he was like so intimate with me to just be able to like reveal all these truths in a way that I could handle and receive it. And like, there's just no cooler thing or like greater love um, than to be able to experience that. Yeah. What you're just describing is this thing called spiritual maturity that we're all growing in. And first things first is we have to know what he did at the cross and what that accomplished. And when we're loved, you know, first John Ford talks about, uh, this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and he sent his son. And so we get that and we're grasping that. And this is the first thing that Paul is preaching to all these different groups of people that he went to. And then as that is foundational and established, then he's just like, okay, now that you know this, now I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. And and Paul, I think this is 1 Corinthians 3, where it's right after he tells them that they have the mind of Christ. And then he says, but I couldn't even give you normal meat. I could barely give you milk because you guys couldn't understand this. And mm-hmm. then he goes into this whole thing and this argument about you know how they were living and, and they were backbiting and and being bitter towards each other and hateful. And then at the end of that that whole thing is like, but you guys are in the spirit. So he's making this argument like like he's trying to walk them through this thing called spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. And as as I'm hearing your story, like that is what God has done for you. He's pruning you. He's growing you. But he's doing it in a gentle way. And he only does that when you know that you're loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm it's, hearing from your story. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And just the privilege to also get to see the spirit work in other people's lives, like the community here, um, right when COVID hit, cause you guys did like online LRTs, um, just getting to invite yeah. people to those And then to just journey with them as they were kind of working through, do they want to accept these truths or not? And just getting to speak truth and life over them. And now getting to meet with people every single Saturday who actually believe these things. And for us to go through and realize like, 
literally any book of the Bible we choose, it keeps blowing my mind that it's all saying the same thing. I'm like, how did we miss this for so long when it's like literally the theme just all over the place? Um, and it's just so fun to like get to live that out and encourage other people and see their lives transformed and to see them also understand the goodness of God. And like, oh, there's just, so it's like the ministry that I always wanted to be good. Um, and I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm not like in ministry at all anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's just a whole different thing. Like getting to speak truth over my, my students. That's like the greatest gift in the world. Um, but the second or equal greatest gift in the world is, yeah, just getting to, to study with other people. Um, this Friday night we were reading, um, the Jonathan's book. Free from sin. Free from sin. <laughs> and yeah, some, some girls who have just been like, oh, like, we don't know about this. Um, one of them was like, we were reading about Adam one and Adam two, and it was just about the simple idea that we did nothing to gain our righteousness. So we cannot do anything to exclude ourselves from the righteousness. Um, and just getting to watch them like process that and vibe with it. And it's just so fun. It's such a gift to, to know truth that's worth sharing. Yeah. You, uh, when you're talking about the pandemic and we did all those LRTs online, what a time to be alive. Like, the pandemic was raging and we were meeting, I think we did five, I don't, we got to, I don't know how we'll ever know how many we did because we forget. We did one in Spanish, we maybe did four or five in English and so many people got to just, because they're all trapped at home and so, so many people got to vibe with, with the gospel and then I hear, and you tell, I think you told me this, that you become you're not you become you are a podcast a death to life junkie like you i listen to all of them as soon as they come out as as you've been hearing these stories on the podcast what has that meant like what when you're hearing them because i'm sure you've heard a lot of those stories from before and then some of them are new stories as you're hearing that that like what kind of impact does that have on you yeah, that's been super powerful for me, the podcast. One, because almost in everyone's story, I feel like when they like name a lie or something that was in their life, I'll be like, oh, me too. And often it'll be something like I've never thought of or I've never named. Um, and then just hearing them name it, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I used to think that way. And now I for sure don't. So that was really fun. Also just realizing like different people's experiences um, often then when I like interact with a friend and they'll be going through something and I'll like pray with them, pray, um, over it with them, but then I'll listen to a podcast and it'll remind me of someone. So I just think that they are such a, a fun way to like reach out to people where I've sent a million people, like when LRTs would go live over zoom, I probably sent that to like 80 people. Um, when there's like the PVC links, I've probably said that to another 50 people being like, watch these 12 hours of YouTube videos. Um, but people just don't like, and everyone's like, great, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Don't text me again. <laughs> exactly. So I think people just respond when I'm just like, this is a dope testimony of someone's life that reminded me of you. Like here's a two hour podcast. 
You can pause it whenever you want. You can listen to it at double speed. Um, it's just a much more like natural way into them. It's not as aggressive. It's just like a beautiful testimony that then piques their curiosity to what is this truth? Um, so I just love the podcast. It's uplifted me so much personally. And it's really fun because in my community here, a lot of people listen to Death to Life. A lot of people listen to The Move. So then we all just get to like talk about it. And it's just so fun. And I have to I have to say this. You were under one of the old classic lies when I first approached you about this podcast. I think I approached <laughs> you about the podcast, was it over half a year ago? I don't even know when it was. Yeah. And you did the whole, <laughs> I don't have a story to tell. And that is baloney. Uh, and, but... I'll admit when I did my podcast episode, it is kind of, you feel a little weird, you feel a little vulnerable and you feel a little, um, but I, of course you have a story to tell Mm -hmm. and and your story is, is powerful. And, um, just hearing you tell it and knowing that before you're just like, oh, I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, right. Like, Like, Danica, you move with, like, your name has been mentioned in this podcast before because of Mm -hmm. your faithfulness to his faithfulness. Mm, Thank you. Praise the Lord. So good. Yeah. And no, yeah, you're a force because you just, you just believe. And so it's a testimony. I know uh, when anybody um, speaks life over someone that you love or a family member and and you've been there for people in my family. So no, that's just super important. And no, you're you're a blessing. And this story, um, I think it's different than a lot of stories that we hear. And I think that's awesome. Because if someone hears like, oh, this was revealed here, and then this was revealed. And it wasn't all like, oh, I was at a bonfire and, and I received all this truth. And now I'm walking in this this perfect way and I never took offense ever again and I never kept record like that doesn't happen for everyone or most people and so I think that's why your story is important right yes thank you and yeah it's just a wild gift to be able to speak truth over people like I can't get over how good it is that yeah people can just walk into church or uh, end up at dinner with us and we just get to share this amazing like life-changing truth with them it's such a good life to live yeah let me let me ask you this and then we'll wrap it up what uh what are you growing in right now what is he teaching you in this chapter i think right now i'm just your life growing in peace in just assurance that i don't need to control anything Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, I've actually given up my job. I'm not going to return to teaching next year, but I don't have any plan because I don't want to start a job until about September and outside of education, you can't just apply for a job in April and say, Hey, I have no experience in this job. And I also don't want to start it for six months. Please hold the job for me. Like that just doesn't work. Um, also my housing is at my school. So I lose my housing and Before, I could have just never done this because I had to control everything. I had to know what the plan was. Um, I couldn't actually practice faith. Like the type of faith I practiced was things that I could control. And right now, I'm just like, 
know that I'm so loved and so provided for and that God is just so with me, like things might end up hard, but they like can't go wrong. Like I just can't get outside of the will of God. I can't be abandoned by God. Like he's just got me so good. So I just get to live from that confidence and not have to worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. I can just sit here and fully love every single thing about my students for the next two months. Then I can go to camp and just fully love everything about that for two months. And I don't have to worry. Uh, where before I was just overwhelmed with worry and with control. And um, it's just a really peaceful life to be able to live knowing that he takes care of things. So I don't have to. I just get to live out of the abundance of that security with him. Well, we're we're all going to be super excited to see what he does and whatever it is we know that who who he asks he enables. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just pumped to see what it is. So thanks for coming on and, and sharing this. And it's been just a blessing to me. Thank you. It's been fun. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me uh, And love is pouring on me River flowing in and never ends More than life, more than me, more than just pretend uh, You can feel the freedom from within Free to fly, be the child that you always been yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today We would love it if you could share this So that people could hear uh, more of these stories And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life and let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all.